0: Welcome to Master Runner, where you'll be inspired by stories from ultra runners in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond. I'm your host, Mike Warren. And for today's first episode, we have a really big treat. I was fortunate enough to spend some time with Mr. Wally Hesselteen. At the age of 78, he's completed 211 ultra marathons, including 28 100 mile races, and his last one was in November of 2021. He's also completed 56 marathons with over 580 races under his belt. And as you're going to hear in a little bit, his most prized accomplishment is the fact that he's run one race every single month since September of 1981. I got a lot out of this one, and I hope you get the same. So without further ado... Our first episode, and Mr. Wally Heseltine. There he is. Hello, Wally. Hello. Now I'm going to have to... Uh,
1: let's see. Got it. Okay, I now I got rid of that instruction. All right,
0: just, Hello. Just, just so you know, we are the two most technologically inept human beings on the planet. So we have that, uh, that going for us. Um, thanks for joining today. I knew when I started this podcast, even thinking about this podcast and calling it The Master Runner... And really focusing on people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond, there was no doubt who I wanted to have on the first episode. Um, funny backstory with uh, with you, Wally, is that we ran the same race back in October. We didn't officially meet, um, but what happened is so the race back in October was the um, the Blues Cruise 50K, and it was in uh, just outside of Reading. At a beautiful course right around Blue Marsh Lake, um, and so I finished the race. It was a fun race. It's gorgeous, and so my wife and son were in the car. They drove me home, and I get home and I check on the Facebook page for the website for the uh, the race, and I actually pulled it up because what what was posted was. Somebody from the race had posted, Oh my gosh, did Wally Heseltine run Blues Cruise on Sunday? What a legend, huge fan for years. So everybody started saying all this stuff. And so I just started into, into the ultra running world the beginning of last year. And so I didn't know who Wally was. And I was instantly curious. And so I looked up everything online and my jaw absolutely hit the ground. And We're going to do some data crunching in a little bit, because I know you're big on data. We've talked a few times. Um, But the first thing that I saw when I went to Ultra sign up, at least since 1991, was 227 Ultras. And then we talked since then. And I think you said 57 marathons and 2700s. Is that close?
1: That's close. I I I would say now that the marathons are 56 is, I mean I have do have good records so I've done 56 marathons. Okay. And the the hundreds are 28 now because I did do another 100 in November.
0: Oh, we're going to talk about that too, the Tunnel Hill, right?
1: Right. And uh, and uh, the total ultras are a little bit exaggerated on Ultra Sign Up because they include a couple races that weren't ultras. So I think I'm I'm at like two ten or two eleven ultras. Okay. So well, we'll stick
0: with two twenty seven. I like two twenty seven better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, so, you know, as you know, since I've done one race or more per month for all these years, I've actually done five hundred and eighty some races. So, so that that's the street that I'm most proud of. And
0: yeah, it was the the thing. The numbers blow me away. And and just so everybody knows who's listening. um, First of all, Wally, you and I have something in common beyond running. I don't know if you were aware of this. So my first ultra was last year, the beginning of last year, and I was 46 years old. If I crunch the numbers correctly, you were 46, 47 on your first ultra too, right around there, is that?
1: Yes, that that's right. I, I had started running 10 years before that, and that's when I did most of the marathons. And it was nineteen ninety one that I did my first ultra.
0: Where did this all begin? i mean, when i when I look at your your results and everything, I have to believe that your your parents were star athletes, that you know it has to be in the genes somewhere. What like how did this whole thing come to be? How did you become such an amazing athlete?
1: Well, actually, what happened was I'm a lawyer and and we had a young lawyer join us, and I, and he's still here. He's one of my partners. He was a rather accomplished football player. He was 26 and I was uh, 37. And I suggested to him that he that he had been a good athlete, but that he didn't look in very good shape to me now. And that I was at the point where I had to do something about uh, uh, getting a little better shape so that I thought we should start running. So we started running together on June 8th. 1981 and uh and in september uh i did my first race that was a 10k and then in october i did my first marathon and i, I was just totally um i changed and i considered myself a, a marathon runner at that point not a more than a lawyer <laughs> but uh and and it wasn't long because I did a couple of races in October. I did, and of course, I did one in, in November and then December. And then I thought of the prospect, well, I'm just going to do at least one race a month. And so that's what I've done ever since. And that's where I get, that's why I've done one race or more per month for 40 years. And that's so, amazing. yes, I am genetically blessed. My father was not a, an athlete per se. Uh, my grandfather was a pretty accomplished uh athlete.
0: That's where it uh, comes from <laughs>
1: <laughs> tennis tennis player and basketball player and so forth. But this of course was well before my time. Although I could never beat my grandfather at at tennis he he uh he was a good tennis player. Oh wow. but uh but at any rate, that uh i I did adapt to running. i I liked it almost immediately. I thought it changed me quite a bit, even though I wasn't I wasn't particularly overweight or or it wasn't like I was. But 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 I felt like that. That for for one thing, I played racquetball and my racquetball partner, who was also my accountant, he had to have bypass surgery at 42. And I thought, you know, this is where I could be headed because I'd exert myself and also snow skiing, didn't want to didn't want my skis coming off. Cause I didn't want to bend over and put them back on just a few things like that caused me to think, well, I, I got to start doing something. So that's what, that's how it got started.
0: When did, so you and I had talked about this insane streak that you have going and um, you told me a story about there was a time where you had to have some surgery done and you timed it so that you could have the surgery early or the end of the the previous month and line up a race after the four week recovery for the end of the next month or something like that. What was, that was crazy. When I heard that, is that close to what happened? What happened with that? Okay. So,
1: so what, what happened and it wasn't actually surgery. uh, Although there was another instance where I had a little surgery deal, but let's talk about that one incident, because what happened was, is I, I was, I was snow skiing at a place called heavenly Valley at Lake Tahoe, California. And, um, I took a fall and fractured my pelvis, and and fortunately I had my race in already for December, and so I went to see a a number of doctors, including a couple of personal friends of mine, to get to try to get some advice as to you know what I was going to do about running a race in January, and I, I I ended up with a sports doctor that I thought was excellent, and he said that he thought I could do it as long as I didn't great as long as I didn't run in pain and uh and so I did it on I did that race on January 31 I think it was 1998 and uh and then I did another race on February 28 and another race on March 1st and so I kept the streak going and and uh then then in uh in April, I actually ran a, a marathon. So, so I was, I was fine. And, but I only ran like one or two ultras that year. Um, but, but I just,
0: you, you still kept the street going. That but I was... kept the
1: street going with other races.
0: Yeah. It's funny. I had a, um, unfortunately I had, um, my best friend, uh, was involved in a really, really bad car accident. He lived in Florida and, uh, back in October. And, um, it was an awful accident. I mean, you see the pictures, you are you would be surprised to, to know that he's still alive. But anyway, he's a runner and he had a, um, a running streak going of 2,138 days of consecutive running. Now, he's not a high volume runner. He was just out there doing at least one or two miles every single day. We're the same age, um, known each other 35 plus years. And So when I learned about the accident through his wife, I immediately got on the plane I went down to Florida. He was in the ICU and he had all these tubes and stuff going in. And it was funny. I mean, looking back, it was funny. Um, The first thing out of his mouth that he mumbled when I got there, Now he was, again, he was on day 2138. He got hit by an 18 wheeler. He's in the Mm. ICU. It does not look good. I walk in, he was surprised to see me. First thing out of his mouth, I guess there goes the streak, <laughs> you know, like it wasn't, it wasn't, Hey, good to see you. You know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm so glad to be alive. It was all about the streak. And so, um, you know, I guess when you're carrying a streak, that's that long. And especially the one that, that you've carried, you want to do everything you can to, to keep it going. And, um, in his case, I reached out to a lot of folks online, a lot of running groups, and it was really amazing because he literally couldn't move for, you know, almost six weeks. And people who had other similar streets were donating their own miles. I had people in Germany who were donating miles. I had t-shirts made. It was just a really, really amazing thing to see this big family come together to kind of keep his street going. So I have all the respect in the world for you and your street. That is, uh, that's just absolutely insane. So
1: that is a very interesting story. And of course, I totally understand uh, the concept of someone uh, not even saying hello, but there goes my streak. I totally understand that because the, the streak sort of owns you. Uh, but on the other hand, i you know you do have to be genetically blessed, and you do have to uh, um, persevere. But you also have to have a certain amount of good fortune to uh, to be able to do something like that. And so yeah. I've had that.
0: What keeps you? You know, I always uh, I I only got into running about twelve years ago. I started. I mean up until the beginning of last year I was your kind of your average runner I was doing 20 30 miles a week and and something triggered during the the whole pandemic and I said no I'm going to do something that nobody else thinks you know I should or could do and I just slowly brought the mileage up and I started doing these events and everything and I absolutely fell in love with it and um you know, for me, you know, exercise and running, especially now, um, has always been kind of a place that I go to. It's been my kind of bubble. It's, it's my own little gift every morning that I get. And if the rest of the day goes down the toilet and you know, the car doesn't start, the tires are flat and all the other stuff, I at least got that win in for myself that day. And so I was curious with you, what, what kind of keeps you lacing up every day? What is it that, is it that you like to go to this little place that's yours that nothing else can can harm you? Like, what does it do for you to get this this running in every day?
1: Well, what I would what I would say to that is that in order in order to run ultra distances or in order to run long long distance like a marathon or almost any distance, you have to train. and And so when I when I talk to people who or in a long run and they trained on 30 miles a week, the thought crosses my mind, well, that the only thing that that does is make it harder for you. It makes the run a little harder. If you train say 60 miles a week, which is sort of the figure that I've always thought was a good figure for marathons and ultra marathons, then that'll make it a little bit more doable at least. And that together with experience, because you need experience to, you, you'd never learn all the rules with with running ultras it takes forever it takes the two lives i think in some instances because you make mistakes but you do get experience and you know how to how to pace yourself and how to eat and how to get through it a little better as you do more of them um, but i think it i think the discipline um because I can't say no that every single time I run and I do run six days a week. No, I don't, I didn't like it particularly to get up. It's at uh, 5.00 AM this morning and go put (laughs) some miles in, but, but I, but I'm, I'm compulsive about it in the sense that I want to get my, I want to get my mileage in. I don't want to run like tonight. I'd rather rather have gone in the morning. So I went this morning and I didn't have a, a, a hard uh, schedule today so i could i can do it in the mornings if i had a hard schedule then i'd do it at night but but i think the discipline of of um, doing it is what keeps you going and makes it real doable and, and by the way in order to get that discipline i think you need to keep good records so you have to have a good diary that so, so that you remain honest to what to what what you're doing so that's what i do i i keep I keep records. I always try for 60 miles a week, except on now. Nowadays, being a getting older has affected me somewhat, so that I do I do uh, go pretty low during the week at times. Uh, like this morning, I did 5.3 miles or something, mm-hmm. uh, and my minimum would be three. But because I'm headed for 60, I'm not leaving too many to i'm I'm ready to go along on the weekends on to to make the mileage and to keep the mileage going for the following week. but, uh, uh, but it's not too long. But then, of course, I keep careful records. so i'm 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 disciplined in that sense. And I think that's that's what that's what helps,
0: yeah, so speaking of the records, I mean, everything now i i had I had kept um, actual physical logs for a while, and then I, I scrapped that, and I said, well, Garmin records everything for me. I'm just going to go into my progress summary and see the the monthly mileage and see where my heart rate zones are because I train a lot based on heart rate. With all your, number one, I'm assuming that everything is a manual record where you're actually writing in a book. I did 5.3 miles this morning and at this pace and this, you're going to show it to me. Do you have it there? No, no, I, <laughs> I,
1: I, I don't have it here, but it, but I do, yes. I, I've i used the same uh, calendar record book. It's an old Jim Fix. If you know who that is, by the way, but it's, it's an old Jim fix calendar thread. I have 40 of them wow. because I, I, I used it right from the beginning. And, I, and so, yes, I keep, I keep manual records. Uh, I also ha- have a Garmin now and I've had one for a number of years. I very much like a Garmin because it makes you more flexible and where you go. And, and, and so I, so I really do like it. So I do have that Garmin record, but no, I still keep those manual records. And do you,
0: do you hate all the technology now? I mean, you can you can look at respiration, you can look at cadence, you can look at heart rate, you can look at a zillion different data points. Is it kind of is it too much now, or is it you know what what's your thought on all the data that's captured with these these watches now?
1: Well, I I think it's probably pretty good. I will say that. I had, I don't now, nor have I ever paid any attention to my heart rate. So really? even though I have a Garmin that's, that it's the one I don't use, but I do have another Garmin that does heart pulse rate, but I, I've never paid attention, always done it on my own, uh, within my, you know, staying within yourself or whatever. So that yeah. I've considered myself a good downhill runner in the day, especially So I didn't worry too much about the ups. I just pressed going up as, you know, as as good as I could, but didn't try to run necessarily. Walked up like at Western States. uh, Walked up those climbs. But on the flats and the downs, I tried to make some time. So, uh, but but I haven't, no, I haven't paid attention. I kind of like that. I do like the records. So now I'm keeping, I think, what is it? Four, I watch four things, pace uh distance time um I, oh yeah and and I, I have been keeping i have been watching elevation gain oh uh, right so i just get a kick out of seeing that though that stuff but but i haven't paid much att- i haven't paid any attention to cadence or to um um or to heart rate or to it, it or, or to yeah. other statistics that are on there
0: yeah yeah i guess i guess for for a lot of people i guess there's always this debate you know there's the the data junkies and then there's the ones that are just masters at exertion levels and knowing when they're beyond a certain and how long they can sustain it and then others like me need the data i think because i'm just not i'm not great on perceived effort i think i'd be okay but just i i feel good knowing exactly where the zones are and stuff like that but there's always this kind of kind of debate between the two so that's
1: I, I think that's a good a good thing i mean but i just haven't done that but but uh in fact my wife is I, like i tell you i have another garment sitting in the drawer and i i told her I'm, i kind of like to start checking my heart and she, she doesn't want me to check anything else <laughs> <In some> ways, <laughs> you know it's like i have enough records yeah, so yeah. so i don't know i so i haven't started doing that yet
0: i was going to ask you so so i um my son's 12 and mm-hmm. uh he is at a point where he he's terrified of making mistakes. And so, you know, he's in sixth grade, middle school, all this, you know, adjusting and everything. And he's just terrified. He's going to get something wrong that he's going to fail a test. He's just, he's in that mindset now. And I was telling him the other day, I said, look, the only difference between you and me is I have 35 years, more experience screwing things up. And, I like screwing things up and I love being a failure and having mistakes because that's, that's how I learn. Um, And the whole reason I named this podcast master runner is that I think I told you, you know, in the martial arts world, which I was a part of for a long time, master means you reached something that you've learned everything. And then you just teach other people. And in running it, it's, it's actually the exact opposite. It, It refers to an age group, but it's, you know, the older you are, I feel like the more time you spend in the sport, the more mistakes you make. So my question to you, and this might sound weird, is what is your, if you had to go back over your your running career, what was your favorite mistake in terms of the one that you made that taught you something that stuck with you for the rest of your running life? Was there one, can you pinpoint one time, one major mistake that you made where it was like, I'll never do that again. Lesson learned.
1: Well, I could probably tell you about a whole bunch of them, but, but uh, (laughs) what one comes to mind, and that is that in ultra running, especially you you don't, you got to do things like not fall down because if you fall down, it it gives you, it might, you might get hurt. Uh, But at the least it's going to be a psychological setback. So, yeah, so I got ahead of myself. In, in when I did a hundreds at first, especially I did my first hundred at Western States and I did 2711 or something like that. that I mean, it was 2711. But uh, uh, but then, of course, my goal was to go sub 24. But but I got a little bit too. Well, I guess I did go sub 24 the second time. So now my goal is to go faster than that. You know, and I thought I was fully capable of it. And so, in the in the year 2001, I think it was. Yeah, it was 2001. I did Western States. I'm watching runners ahead of me way back at the 30 mile mark or 25 mile mark, and I'm I'm pressing to catch him. And I fell twice, and ultimately I DNF'd in that race because I I did hurt, kind of hurt myself and uh and so i le- but i thought you know i learned more from those falls and from not getting ahead of yourself than most than any anything else that i had learned in, in ultra running and so i think yeah if you if you get if you don't eat right if you don't eat real food for example uh or you don't drink your bottles uh then then you get punished in a certain way that you learn and then you learn not to do that yeah but you gotta you gotta right. take care of that kind of business so that's gonna, that's gonna, an example of that
0: i i'm gonna jump ahead a, a minute because I, I was gonna touch on this later but since you brought it up with um nutrition now and hydration i mean it's it's overwhelming it's almost like nowadays you have all these apps and you can watch all these things you can watch amazon and netflix and hbo and it's some days it's just too much where you can't make a decision you just say look I'm going to stick to what I know I'm going to read this book or I'm going to watch this whatever it is. And I kind of feel like that with the running world now there's so many different products. I mean, you know, from you can the tailwind to scratch, there's a zillion different things. There's gear, there's compression socks, cruise there's a and for anybody coming into the sport, you know, it can be daunting to put it lightly. And so, you know, when you look at all the stuff that's out there now, especially on the, the nutrition side, um, are you kind of more of the mindset that you have to drink real things and eat real food, or do you subscribe to some of the advances there or what's your, you had mentioned before, I think you're, uh, at some point, the, uh, the hot dog bun, sandwich that you made or something. I mean, what's your what's your take on all the stuff that's out there now? and is it even necessary?
1: Well, here, here, here's my take on it. Uh, first of all, tailwind that that's what I drink now. and that's I, I think I started out in ultra running drinking more of the sweet stuff. And I have always had sort of a sweet tooth and I, and I liked that, that. I forget what they even were now, but I think like exceed or, or even Gatorade, you know, I, I liked it. I think it's a good idea to like certain a whole bunch of things because you go to a race and if they offer nothing but that, sometimes that's what you're going to be drinking for sure.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but, but I, I do like tailwind. I got used to goose. Um, Taking goose, but but I'm not one that's going to take goose for one once an hour for 24 hours or anything like that. So, but I'll take them once an hour for eight hours, let's say, or some period of time like that. Uh, I like cliff bars. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll so I, I I pretty much and I like pr- pretty much one ki- type of clip bar. I mean, I like them all, but I I stick with chocolate mint or whatever mm-hmm. clip bar, because I like it. Yeah. And I look forward to that and a in a, especially in training, you know, where if I'm doing a six-hour run, I'd I'm waiting until three hours and then I'm going to have that. Um, as far as real food goes, I would just tell you this: I had a pacer, happens to be the same pacer who just paced me at at Tunnel Hill. I had done a hundred called Umstead, where I didn't take a pacer, and my wife was going to get me a pacer locally, and she did. She got she got me a pacer, but that pacer. This is a 12 and a half mile loop in in North Carolina called Homestead 100. Mm. And the pacer could only do one, one lap because uh, she wasn't an ultra runner, she said. And, you know, she just could only do one lap, but she'd try to get me another pacer and she did. Mm. So I had a pacer for the second lap. And, uh, and as it turned out, you could only have a pacer for three laps, the last three laps of this thing. And but for the third lap. I didn't, I didn't have a pacer. My wife couldn't find one. So I just did it on my own. And then I entered into, this is why I strongly believe in pacers, by the way, Mm -hmm. because I entered into a self-pity party, the likes of which, uh, oh, and I'd done seven laps at a sub 24 hour pace. And now I'm on this last one by myself. And and I just entered into this self-pitying thing, chafed, uh, whatever it was. And I didn't break 24 and I didn't break 25. I did 25, 17 or something like oh. that. And so I was disappointed in that. And so the next year I took the pacer, the same pacer that paced me at Tunnel Hill. And, um, and she said at a certain point, let's say with maybe two laps to go, we got to get you something to eat. And I go, no, no, I'm fine. You know, I don't need anything. Oh, no, no. She was insistent. Well, you got to have something to eat. And so she got a couple pieces of pizza that they had at their <laughs> main aid station, and I took a bite of that pizza, and I go, "Wow, that's good! I'm starved!" And uh, so I, that showed me I had no insight whatsoever into what. So to that extent, if the food's, well, if the food's there, you should grab a little bit of it as you get along. In a hundred, I'll tell you, because it won't hurt you. And it might well help you. Yeah. And so uh uh and by the way, I did break 24. I did 23 something. <laughs> so that that was that was good. That was good. That was the last time I broke 24. Um, uh, but I like I like that.
0: I think uh I, I'm sure I don't know if you would agree or not, but it's funny to me, being newer in the ultra world, that um my stomach really changes and sometimes it gets moody and sometimes it prefers different things i did a uh i guess it was in september i did a a really cool race called the pemberton 24 and it's um it's really neat. it's It's arizona no so it's in salisbury maryland and it's a 24-hour race and the idea behind it is you do a 5k every 24 hours and so every hour you're on the start line it's it's kind of like a toned down version of a, a backyard ultra and um you know, at a certain point, you know, in full disclosure, I'm a vegetarian and all this stuff, at least I had been before this race. And, um, you know, I hadn't eaten meat in, I mean, seven, eight years. And so I, I finished it, maybe it was the 20th or 21st um, 5k. And, you know, I was just feeling like crap. And at the aid station they had at, at the loop, it was a, you know, it's a 5k loop. So a 3.1 mile loop. Um, they had different stuff at the end of every 5K. So, this one particular loop I did, um, they had um, really heavily seasoned chicken wings and chicken thighs and chicken legs. And they had a big thing of the freezy ices, the different colors, the frozen plastic things that you tear off. And it looked so good. And, you know, any other day of the week, any other time of the day, I would have stayed clear away from it. So I ate more chicken than I think I have my entire life. <laughs> and I had like three of these freezy ices and it was what my stomach wanted. And after that, the last three, five K's, it was like, I felt like I had just started. If I felt so refreshed. So it's it's just been weird to me that you never know what your stomach's going to be in the mood for, but I, I guess y- you would agree that you kind of got to go with what your stomach's telling you, you know? right
1: well I think I think you do and you go with you go as you learn too but but uh um yeah I think I I think you also don't when you come in in a real long run that sounds like a hard run by the way that that uh stopping and stopping and then starting again yeah. at the beginning of the hour I, I haven't done one of those I've seen them now and I'm gonna do one one of these days why
0: don't you, you got to come out you got to come out to the east coast again and do I think it's uh September twenty third and twenty fourth. I think registration opens in April. You should. I'll just throw it out there. That'd be awesome. And
1: what state was that? And that's in Maryland. It's in Maryland. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I did the gfk fifty in Maryland. Oh wow. Um, so at, at at any rate, yeah, I I think that I think that you need to get some basics. That you need to drink your like you know your your electrolyte stuff, trade wind or whatever. And, and, and it doesn't hurt you to have a regular thing like goose or to eat a bar or two uh, at some point along the way, but also if they offer real food, um, then I, and, and, and you feel like eating it. I don't, I don't think it hurts you at all to eat it. I think mm-hmm. it helps you.
0: Gotcha. You, um, you mentioned your wife earlier, and I I've got a, I've been wanting to ask you this too, because they're, my wife has been very accepting for years of, of my little, uh, uh, therapy sessions that I do every morning running and, and so forth. How is as long as you've done it, how, you know, initially when you started getting into the ultra world and, and picking it up to 60 plus miles a week and everything, you know, was your wife always supportive or were there days where she kind of rolled her eyes and said, there you go again, you know, like, what well, how was that all these years you've done it? How has that worked out?
1: Well, there is there is a certain amount of that rolling the eyes because because <laughs> I did I did learn a few things from that. By the way, I I had started the sixty miles a week almost when I first started running. So because I had I read up on how to do a marathon, and they they mentioned that sixty miles a week in, in whatever I read the Hawaii uh, Clinic uh, uh, Marathon book or some other book I had that I read. Um, I, one thing you have to, and and I, I would say that you have a 12 year old. I also had kids that were about that age when I started and, um, they, and so I included them on trips. I took when I did Boston and New York and all these marathons, I'd, I'd take the kids and, and we'd have, we'd have fun at, especially afterwards, you know, have a little ice cream, that type of thing. Um, you have to learn not to involve your wife in every single thing, every single ultra you do when you have as many as I have. So, so I learned that. I I took her to a couple of fifties where the, maybe it was a double twenty-five mile loop. I asked her to be there, and then when I came through, you know, I spent about two seconds with her. Everything's fine. Just so I thought, well, don't don't take her to deals like that. Then she doesn't want to sit there, and well, it was raining too. Maybe you know. So now I take her on trips that I go on and, and she enjoys the trips. She doesn't stay up all night at the hundreds anymore. Uh, she, I, that's not too enjoyable for her. So I, and I don't need someone most of the, you know, I, by then I have my pacer if it's night. And uh, so I don't need my wife hanging around too, too much during the night anyway. And uh, so yeah but but obviously if you if you've got a big long race streak like I do, then I'm going I'm, I want to train for it and I want to do them <laughs> every single month you know and so she goes along with it and I try to make it as uh, make it as good as possible for her too. And, and I also really like the fact that my wife has always been willing to let me go point to point, especially in this day of cell phones. So I carry my cell phone and I call her when I'm done. <laughs> and uh and sometimes the predictions that you, when you're going to be done aren't too accurate yeah. uh so you got to be careful that you don't uh you know that you that, that you don't ask her to come there and then don't show up for an hour, another hour and a half but it's but she can actually follow my garmin now on on her phone so or, oh, or no. i guess she can follow my phone so that's that's so she knows where you are but to sum that up First of all, having two children myself, and now five grandchildren, I think it's real important to realize that those years go by just like snapping your fingers. So you got to spend time with your children too, you know, and you can't just go out on become an ultra runner that never sees your children. Yeah. Because you would regret that. And, uh, and the same way with your wife, you just got to go out to dinner afterwards or do something that's fun for her too
0: yeah make it fun do you so related to that you know it's when you're in your 20s people say i'll wait till you turn 30 when you're in your 30s they say wait till you turn 40 when you're in your 40s people say wait till 50 hit and i feel like in a certain way that society kind of tells you what certain ages should feel like and i feel like a lot of people kind of um end up subscribing to that and they just know that hey when you're in your 60s and 70s you shouldn't do certain things you've completely shattered the mold um, of all of that for decades Um, have you I mean I have to believe that there's been other people around you that are close to the same age that have maybe taken up running because there's this crazy buddy of mine Wally and he's out there doing 60 plus miles a week and doing these 50 100 mile races have you noticed a lot of that over the, the years you've been running that you've kind of inspired other people to say, no, you know, I'm in my fifties, but it doesn't mean I have to sit in a, in a recliner with Doritos and watch Oprah all day. Have you, you think helped a lot of people kind of break out of that?
1: Well, I hope so. Uh, but, but mainly I'd say that I've, I've uh, been impressed by others. Others impressed me to that effect. Hmm. um and i st- still to this day i see uh, in fact i got an article today that someone sent me and it lists these these great runners these uh, that are my age and and uh and younger because <laughs> not too many of them are older but but there is actually a i do have some friends that are slightly older too hmm. that keep going um i i think you should keep going i really do i don't think it's uh there's any reason not to do it hmm. as long as you can do it and I've I've said I want to do it. Uh, in fact, I said at one point that I want to do it till the day I die. And then I thought, well, that almost sounds like uh yeah, morbid, morbid. They're <laughs> a little stupid in a way, but but so I but I I do want to do that actually, but but uh, but I don't mean I want to die or or uh, anything like that. I will tell you this that that people will say, are you having fun out? out there or hope you're having fun or this or that and i, I don't ever comment n- negatively or say anything up, in response to that but i'm thinking no funds for afterwards <laughs> <laughs> this, this is work because you know i'm always trying to do my best so yeah so it, it it is a little work and it and it and especially the longer the distance the more ups and downs there are so you're doing a 100 there's going to be some downs when you just really feel like you're blowing it yeah you know something is going wrong but but you get through it as long as you keep moving forward and uh and thinking positively
0: i feel like you know there's a there's a lot of um lessons in that too i mean out here in the east coast right now a lot of the trails are frozen there's ice there's snow and um i'm fortunate to have a lot of rail trails around here and so there's a lot of you know, if I want to go flat and go for a longer run, I can get on the rail trail and you can do 15, 20 plus miles. Um, but it's really, really icy now. So I have, you know, the things you put on your shoes, the Exo spikes or whatever. And I, but I feel like a lot of the lessons, um, that you learn on the trail that, you know, even with the ice running now, as I call it, you hit a patch where it's solid ice and you think, all right, this is bad, bad things could happen, but then you hit your your crushed gravel or your grassy or your leaf patch and you have traction again, you know, like you appreciate the traction so much more because of the, the turmoil and the near death experience you had on the ice. And I feel like there's so many things that you can take from running and connect that directly into your own life. Does that make any sense? I, I'm sure that I'm makes, to the choir.
1: No, no, that, that makes total sense to me. I, I mean, and, and I'm thinking of course that you mentioned these things that you put on your shoes. Uh, to avoid ice. And of course, I've, I would say that in 40 years of running, I've never put such a thing on my shoes. So I have been fortunate (laughs) to live in a place that where I can do a lot of running without that type of problem, but there are other problems that you have to watch out for. And, uh, and one, one of them is, is tripping on a technical rocky place. And I think a real important lesson for ultra running is that if it, if it gets the races is long by definition, and if there are rough spots, take it easy through those, because there's no point in expending all your energy uh, trying to speed through an impossible area, or or worse yet, having an accident there, you know, that's going to give you a setback, and so you need to take it easy there, but then remember to watch for places where you can move well, and uh, uh, so I I, I don't know anything about I mean, I don't know that I know too much about uh, icy conditions because I haven't run too much in those, but but certainly with rocky or steep downhills or or things that you can take it easy on and it's going to end in a couple miles. And when, when it does end and you come out, you almost see people, at least I used to see people back in the day, especially I'd see people up ahead that went blazing by me and, and they didn't really gain anything by it. And so, um, yeah. at any rate, I, I I think that's true. There's a lot of life lessons you can learn from this thing. And it and if you have a hectic uh, uh, profession, kind of like I do, since I'm a lawyer and a trial lawyer, mm. uh, then it's a lot more fun to worry about whether or not you're going to skid out on ice or, or trip <laughs> on something than it is to worry about the serious uh, problems that some of your clients have, you know. <laughs>
0: Speaking of of um, of life lessons, is there I don't know how to say this. Is there anything that if you put the forty eight year old Wally next to the seventy eight year old Wally and they got to shake hands and meet each other, is there anything that the seventy eight year old Wally would tell the forty eight year old Wally, whether it's related to running or anything else? Is there any kind of coaching, quick coach coaching words of advice that you would give to forty eight year old Wally or
1: well. Okay, I, 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 you know, of course, I'm just thinking of this right off the top of my head, but, but yeah, one one thing I would say that I think is important, and, and one of the reasons why you start switching to dirt at around 40 or 50 or right in there is because you've slowed on the roads. And you, maybe you did some three hour, sub three hour marathons, and I did, um, or some great. 10 Ks, sub 40, 10 Ks, I say I, I liked, or sub25 K's and that type of thing, and, and, and sub sub uh, in the 120s on a half marathon, let's say. those are good runs, but they're on the roads, and if you do too many of those, then you become like a lot of people I know that were great marathon runners, but they don't run anymore because they did so much pounding on at, at fast speeds on hard surfaces. So I think yeah, I would tell myself that hey, you 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 got your sub 3 hour marathon. I didn't get it by much by the way, 257, but whatever, I I I got it. Yeah. So and and I did it three times or whatever. So that's enough. Now I really know now that yeah, I think it was wise to go ahead and switch to switch to dirt. And, uh, and then, yeah, as a 70 year old runner, you've just got to, you've got to accustom yourself to, you're not, you're not as fast as you used to be. It's that simple and no amount of training or whatever is going to, going to resolve that, but it's still just as much fun. Uh, Even when I did that fractured pelvis thing that I told you about, I, and then I did my race streak. Man, I thought, wow, I've really moved to the to, to the middle of the pack or maybe even towards the back. But it's just as much fun back here. It's still just as much of a race. Everyone's still trying just as hard.
0: Yeah, and so
1: sure. it didn't, that didn't bother me in the least, you know. And yeah, so th- yeah. that's the way I have to think now, is it? Is that um I gotta make the cutoffs and I I don't want to be last if I can help it. And uh so you just look for for goals like that. And so maybe that's the type of advice I'd give. Um uh, to my to myself even at at forty eight, although it was around forty eight because it was nineteen ninety one, so I was maybe forty seven when I did my first ultra. But I will tell you, when I did my first ultra, it was called a fifty k in California. It's um it's it feels like a fifty miler, and I was a good road pretty good road runner then. So when I went out of a big old climb and then downhill and so I was like in fourth place at, uh, um, at ten miles in or whatever, and then I met, met the, like the most most of the field. We started going by because this was this was quite a climber deal. So when I was done with this thing, then I and I did about six and a half hours or something I think in this fifty k. But I told my wife uh, never again. We were sitting in our spa at the house, and I told her never again and she goes i agree that, that's ridiculous well of course i ha- I had not taken any water uh i didn't have dark glasses no hat you know maybe a, i don't remember but maybe i wore even a tank top deal you know so and but i i honestly didn't do another uh 50k or another ultra marathon for more than a year so wow but then what then when i did did one again I got well. And the next one was a 50 miler, and again that 50 miler, it's called American River 50. I went out the first half in about three hours, so I was doing like a three-hour marathon. I always considered, you know, but the only thing was, then the second half, which took tur- which turned to more of a trail and stuff. I did that in five and a half hours. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so that you know, I I, I you, you learn things from this stuff, but. Well, but nevertheless, the I was hooked by then I mean that was my second ultra and and, and I, that made me eligible to apply for states and and uh so, so I started doing ultras
0: well and I want to mention this <laughs> uh, recording hang on a sec there we go I wanted to ask you about states too because um for anybody who hasn't seen it yet there's a phenomenal documentary you could just pull it on YouTube I think it's called 30 hours. Yeah, it's uh, got
1: Wally 30 hours.
0: Wally 30. And it is absolutely amazing. And so of course it goes through the 2016 um, attempt at sub 30. Um, it's heartbreaking at the end. My gosh. But I, I you know, I wanted to ask, I think it was well, it's just just a hair under 32 hours thir- I mean, you were a couple minutes over. You weren't much. It was over a couple minutes
1: over, over exactly. Um, and, and I'd I'd run Western States six times, so I knew what to do. I thought I had it totally. Uh, I thought I was doing it just right, you know. But I but I wasn't. I was calling it too close and, t- and demanding too much in the last six miles. And uh, and so I gave it every effort in those last six miles to make it, but uh, but it didn't happen.
0: What happened in? Um the following year wasn't there there's there just a kind of this confluence of snow and bad weather and everything in 2017 was that what yes that's what happened okay
1: it was it was it was something else it uh, and so i just i i dnf'd again mm. and early uh, it was just amazing to me that i that that happened but nevertheless it did
0: I had looked up that because uh, I I think, you know, if you watch this uh, documentary, which again is amazing, um, you learned that you wanted to be the oldest finisher yes. at Western States. And so that's what I, I was doing. I think right now the oldest recorded finisher of Western States, I think, was in 1998. It was a guy named. Uh, was it Ray Piva Piva? I think he no, was no, 17- it,
1: it's it's Nick Bassett, Nick okay. Bassett. I know Ray Piva too. And I want to mention him to you, but, uh, but it was Nick Bassett, a friend of mine who did a great run and uh, and, and finished it. And he was 73 and I was 72 when I tried. So he would have actually broken my record, but that's okay. Uh, On the other hand, but I do want to mention Ray Piva for a minute because Ray Piva is one of the greatest old runners that ever was. I mean, and he's still alive. He's like 94 now. First time I raced against him, I I I could tell this guy was a very experienced ultra marathoner. And I heard someone ask him a couple of times, how are you doing, Ray? And he said, too early to tell. And and I I started thinking, well, because I'm 50, I was in my 50s probably more like 51 or something. I forget right now. But but I thought, you know, this guy could be in his 50s. And so I actually beat him. I beat him by four minutes, but when it was all said and done, I discovered that this guy that I had beat by four minutes was 70. <laughs> and uh, it was a world record at that time. And he he holds, he holds some great records,
0: but wow, so does man. Nick
1: Bassett. Uh, Nick Bassett's a, a great runner too. And I, I, I could list a whole bunch of others. Cause, cause I know these guys. And, um, uh, It's a lot of fun competing in the age bracket. So I I really enjoy it.
0: Yeah, so I also related to that. So you did Tunnel Hill 100 last year. You had an amazing time. I think 2611 was the time for that, the Tunnel Hill. Right, right. So that is obviously a qualifier for Western States. Was part of the logic behind that to throw another hat in the ring? Do you still have this goal of, you know, next year I'm going to get in. I'm going to put my my hat in the in the in the ring for the lottery and try to get in. Is it still this kind of thing that's with you that you say to yourself, "I'm going to get in. I'm going to do it"? Um, or where does that stand now?
1: Well, I don't know that I've totally made the decision, but I'll, I'll give you my preliminary thinking. <laughs> yes, I am going to put my name in. Uh, yes, as it isn't pretty impossible to put your name in the Western states and get in on your, you know, on what's going to be my first try because I haven't applied in a while. Uh, So, but my, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm going to put my name in, but I don't, I don't expect very much to get in, but if I get in, I will uh, train like crazy to try to, try to get it done. So. And then you'll
0: have the record. There'll be no, it'd be be the (laughs) undisputed record holder of Western states. I mean, well, you know,
1: I I don't want to do predict that for sure i do you don't want to get ahead of myself but but you know then yeah it would be nice to do that yeah I, I, it's a it's a tough assignment so we'll, we'll any, see what happens
0: is there anything else that's still on the um the list i think i i think one time before you mentioned doing a race in every state is there still something that you're you're kind of working on now to kind of you know build you know in the in the near future or
1: oh absolutely uh first of all yes i am trying to do an ultra in every state and i have 14 states to go so i've done 36 states so so i'm planning on i'm i'm planning on keeping going and, and getting that done but um
0: have you done ultra, maryland yet
1: i have like i said i did jfk and <sighs> that's maryland. right that's right i did do jfk in maryland that's right. but i also go back to certain things i'm not um I'm not a, I don't object to that. I, I, I think that um, realistically, I, I did do, I got I guess I got to throw in a couple of braggers here, but I did do a, a hundred in Illinois in, when I was 74. And I did do uh, 24, 16 or 17 or something like that, or maybe 21. In, in other words, I was I maintained a good pace um, and almost broke 24, and the reason I didn't break 24 is because I had to walk the last three miles because my back was so I was I was leaning forward and and it took a couple falls and and that wasn't a good thing. It didn't hurt me or anything, but my pacer thought I should I'd be better off walking in, and it, that's what we did. And so so I missed 24, but I also did Angeles Crest 100 at 70, and. Uh, and that's a very difficult mountainous 100 and so i'm very proud of the fact that i did do that um and so but yeah, yeah and, it's, and of course i'm very proud of that 78 uh 2611, even though you know whenever you do 2611, obviously you would have liked to have had 25 something or whatever <laughs> you know but uh, something lower but but um at, at any rate it um yeah i have lots of goals left that i want to keep doing i and one thing for sure is that i would like to finish off these states deals and go to other races
0: have you done any in other countries too or are you kind of just have you stuck to well
1: yeah i did do only one ultra in another country Hmm. i've I've done marathons in various you know london and and uh, uh rotterdam and and Moscow, Russia, and, and, uh, various places. And of course I did doing 56 marathons. They did all the big or a lot of big United States marathons. Um, but the only ultra I ever did really in another country was in Canada. So, (laughs) so I haven't done a whole lot of foreign ultra marathons now. Wow.
0: What's the, when you, when you run across the United States like this, what is, um, I know when we finished the, the blues cruise, you were, you know, talking about the, the heat and everything, even in October. Are there certain areas where you go to and you're like, oh, this is going to this is going to stink or, you know.
1: Well, I, I, I just look at it as, as a challenge, you know. It, but yes, the, uh, the I had done a run in New Jersey in I think it was September prior to blues cruise and it was humid. And yeah, I'm not too used to something as hot as hot and humid like like those two runs were, but uh, uh but now it's just a, it's just part of the challenge, you know it it's very it's very fun, and now I'm gonna be doing one that's cold, so we'll see how I do in that but but uh although Tunnel Hill was pretty cold too, it was twenty eight degrees at the start oh, and, and it stayed sub thirty the most of the entire time, uh, although. I was dressed right. So I I didn't get particularly cold while running. I put on a a Houdini uh, Patagonia windbreaker Mm -hmm. at night and, um, and had gloves and a long sleeve shirt and that type of stuff, you know? Yeah. So.
0: Hopefully the aid stations had hot drinks like coffee. Hopefully that was there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't have any of that, but.
0: And you probably don't drink any of it anyway, do you?
1: Well, I drink a little no I don't drink deca- I don't drink coffee in the sense that I don't drink caffeinated coffee. I like um, you know, like a decaf mocha from Starbucks or something like that. but that's kind of like a dessert but, <laughs> but uh, yeah I, I don't drink that kind of stuff on a run. but but I, I do take goose and uh, so you know it's not like I'm I'm totally against caffeine. It's just that I never have, drunk any coffee on a on a run
0: yeah unfortunately that's the only uh i think the only advice i have i i wouldn't be able to function in the world without at least two or three so it could be worse right it could be
1: absolutely
0: (laughs) (laughs) well i'm also a
1: quasi-vegetarian i that's what i call it because i i do eat some meat and i do like a steak after a, a big long run but but we don't eat meat at home and and we so we we are Quite a bit vegetarians.
0: When did that start? Because for me, it was you know it was about seven eight years ago that I just decided to to make the change. Was that was that a more recent thing, or was that years no, ago? No,
1: I'd say that's more of a lifelong thing. Tell you the truth, I was kind of brought up that way, and um, so with me, but but then again, I, there's a lot. Uh, I don't I don't claim to be a, a total vegetarian because there's I do eat some meat.
0: Hmm. gotcha yeah well look i've taken up enough of your time i i cannot thank you enough for oh you're welcome it's you know joining. To you. yeah i mean you you're i know you're very humble and you probably don't like to hear it but you are a huge inspiration to me and so many others um in the ultra running community so i i just i feel so honored and privileged to have well thank you
1: very much for, for that but
0: Yeah. And I stole an hour and 15 minutes of your time, 15 minutes trying to figure out microphones and everything like that before this whole (laughs) thing started. But um, yeah. And have a, have a great time on your race. The 15 hour. When is that? That's coming up. That's February 12th, February 12th. And that's in where again? Colorado. Okay. So you won't have to deal with any uh, frozen eyebrows or eyelashes or anything like that. I don't think. Right.
1: Well, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see what happens. I, of course, I also would wear dark glasses and I'll wear a ski hat probably, you know, whatever I'm taking stuff that, that, uh, right now I'm just still wondering about what I'm going to do pants wise. You know, I, I've got some long john deals that I bought on a trip. And of course I have ski clothes from being a snow skier and, but we'll see, we'll, I'll take plenty of stuff.
0: You know what I got just recently for the, uh, the cold weather. I got these, um, uh, compression socks that, but they're skiing. They're, they're made for skiing compression socks. And so they're so warm. I feel like that's the main thing that prevents my toes from turning into little ice cubes. Really? Yeah. I'll send you the link. I, I forget. Yeah. The, do uh,
1: send me the link. I'd be very interested in that. Yeah. Don't, don't forget that because I'd like to get, get a hold of those, uh, a pair of those. And, um, and and see what I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, look again. I can't thank you enough. Uh, you're you're a huge inspiration, and uh, good luck with the uh, the next event. And uh, for everybody else, just keep lacing up, and I'll see you next time. Thanks again, thank Wally. You,
1: sure, you're welcome. Thank you. See ya.
0: I hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. I really had a lot of fun interviewing Wally. And- in his brain for a little bit. Until next time, keep lacing up and keep inspiring. See ya.